Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices a practical guitarist will love. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Practical Guitarist, or on Twitter as at Practical Guitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com. And donate to us via Patreon, available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hello, Jim. Hello, David. Welcome to Season 2, my friend. Season 2, Episode 1. We're breaking How on through you? to the other side. Break on through. Break on through <laughs> to the other side. Break on um, through. Break on so, through. Jim and I have decided there will be. I, I'm, I'm looking at my notes. We're actually going to map out the episodes now so that I can, can have a clear, consistent idea of where things are going. Um, and we'll know how much time we're going to spend on each thing. Well, we'll try to. I, we'll, wow. we'll ballpark it. Uh, so uh, there was supposed to be a section where we we're going to discuss a p- potential holiday plan delay. That's not going to happen. Um, so we'll skip that. That's and right. And we'll. Uh, We'll we'll talk about well let, let's talk first because so I, I have a year of no gear update I think it's it, it's appropriate to share at the front of the episode rather than in the middle somewhere um, okay so as we mentioned in the last episode I have the fifty fifty from um, Pelican Noise Works branded by Sixty Cycle Hum uh, thank you guys for making this available to Inner Circle members uh, at a reduced price uh, I, I really like this thing like a lot. I, I've always been a DOD 250 guy in general. Um, I've just never had the good fortune to get a really good one because they, so they've reissued them. They've all been different. Um, you can get like the gray knob units. I mean, and it's not like a super highly sought after pedal. So you can find old gray box 250s and stuff if you look hard enough and they're not insanely expensive. Um, at least I've seen them go, I mean, they, not any more than a typical boutique pedal would be. And, you know, they were cheap wow. to begin with. So, um, I'm not, I don't know a whole lot about the circuit. I don't know a whole lot about um, all the variances. I know that I think it was a like, MXR Distortion Plus or it's like something, some other pedal like that is the exact same circuit as the 250. Um, but this guy's got some extra options. It's got different, uh, so it's got some different clipping things. And I guess it's got some, uh, it, it has three modes sweet, normal, creamy. It's a cool pedal. Anyway, um, my wife got that for me as my birthday gift. My birthday was on the 11th. Um, so, uh, we actually ordered it a while back. She, ba- I it said it came up and she basically said, I'll buy it for you for your birthday. So, um, funny thing was, you know, everybody knows on the show, I've, I've mentioned this before. I was waiting for the King of Tone to come through 
And um, last week, I received an email from Analog Man saying that my King of Tone was uh, ready to be ordered. So I have the link where I can order one, and um, I'm not really sure I'm going to do it. So um, I waited two years. I was going to buy the pedal, and if I didn't like it, I figured I could sell it and make a profit. Um, I've just decided I'm not going to buy one. And uh, I, I mean, that's basically where I'm at. I was like, they really want to spend an extra 250 bucks during the holidays for a pedal that they not even like. Right. Um, so, and there are other options out there now that are similar circuits. So the um, King of Tone is based on the um, Marshall Bluesbreaker circuit. Yeah. And um, the old Bluesbreaker pedals go for quite a bit of money. But you can get, there's a lot of guys producing a Bluesbreaker circuit clone now. Um, I could go right now over to uh, Wampler and get their new one um, that just came out recently. The was it's like Euphoria or something? But I don't think that's what it is. No, it's not Euphoria. Euphoria's been around for a while, um, but they have a new pedal and it's based on the Bluesbreaker. We probably talked about it on the show at some point. Um, anyway, so yeah, I balked on that. Um, I feel like I'm making the right decision, and Year of No Gear continues. Um, so actually, that's probably the biggest Year of No Gear sacrifice I've made so far because I waited for that thing. I was on the list for two years. And I was like, oh, it's finally going to come, you know? And then it happened, yeah. and I was like, couldn't come at a worse time. And I'm like, I don't know that I necessarily want it anymore. I mean, now that I got the 50-50, I feel like this is enough for what I want to do, uh, which is yeah. just about boosting. So, um, yeah. That's my Year of No Gear update. Um, so if, for those of you who have um, joined us at a late stage in the game, maybe not listened to all the episodes, um, we have talked about this on the show a couple of times before, um, and I want to touch base on this again. Just to remind everybody when you hear us, because there's been some controversy with some YouTube people and other people um, talking you know, about other guitarists and other artists. Um, this show is infotainment. Uh, Jim and I will say things about other artists. We'll try to keep it sensible and safe. Um, but, you know, if something offends you, um, feel free to reach out to us. We're, we're reasonable people. Um, we're representing our own opinions on the show. And I want to make sure that people understand that a lot of the time, Jim and I are playing characters. And that, you know, it's what we say on the show is larger than life. But our real feelings on things are often askew or they're like, you know, slightly less so. So I just want to make sure that everybody understands that neither Jim nor I are out to hurt or intimidate anybody. Um, if we say something about an artist that you like, um, you know, remember, not everybody has to like the same music and that's okay. Um, or, or have, you know, like the same guitar players. That's okay. Jim and I don't agree on everything. Trust me. Um, we have very different tastes in music. And uh, so I just want to get that out there. Jim, do you have anything to add? No, I agree. So um, that kind of harkens back to last episode, right? Yeah. Well, we were talking about Stevie T, right? And um, that's kind of a segue to another topic. We're going to talk about this. Robert uh, from Robert's Guitar Dungeon posted a video, a reactionary piece to uh, Stevie T's discussion of Richard Benson. Now, I think Robert may perceive that whole situation differently than we do um but i think we both agree that if stevie t is like literally taking shots at people 
that's not cool. I mean, oh. it's different if you're commenting about a famous guitar player's technique and ability uh, who basically can shrug it off and say, I just had a rough night that night. Um, right. Stevie T has made some comments about people like Slash. Stevie T has intense respect for Slash. You can see in that that video where where he talked about Slash's uh, covering of Playing. Crazy Train. Yeah, like he clearly does like Slash. And it's one of those things where, yeah, we'll play it for comedic value, but understand that like everybody has a night like that. And if you play yep. a lot, believe me, you know that you suck sometimes. We all do. Um, so, yeah. We all have a bad night. Right. Right. And uh, we all have, you know. And the problem that uh, comes up sometimes is that there's cell phones everywhere. Um, so, you know, you, you can't. When the when the guitar tech hands you a guitar that's out of tune, or if a uh, hot um, wind, which which does happen on television, blows the guitar and and it strikes a string out of tune, it can be hard to you know figure out a way. Okay, gotta figure yeah gotta figure out a way to get this right. You know what I mean? I, I mean I have been the guy that sits on stage and plays a piece and knows that like my D string is out of tune, and I'll sit there and try to tune the D string during the song. No. no, and yeah, it sounds horrible to do that, but at the same time, it's like if I don't do this, but you can make it musical, you know. The, a lot yeah, of um, yeah, I always try so, to like go way down low, like I'm doing right. I bomb or something, and bring it back to pitch, you know. Right, that's what I was gonna say. Um, it's harder to do on a Floyd Rose. Take my word oh, for yeah. it. Oh yeah, hell with that. You like playing, and you're like grabbing the fine tuner, you know. That's right. <laughs> now and right, like and every time you play a D, you're back putting your um putting some fingers on the thing to pull it up or pull. Pull it up so it comes, uh, you know, comes low or push it down so it goes high. I I, uh, I may mention this on the show before. I played a I played a really small like park district gig when I was a kid, I was uh-huh. like seventeen or eighteen years old, with uh, a friend of mine who's also a guitar player, and he played in a band that they were more of a cover outfit, and they would cover the whole like album Dark Side of the Moon from start to finish, and that's what they were doing that night. He gets about halfway through Breathe, and uh-huh. it's and he's playing a Parker Fly right. And his right. string breaks. Oh, and no. no, he doesn't stop, Jim. He actually continues. His G string breaks, right? He continues to play. And his buddy gets up out of the front row and actually changes the string while he's playing the song. Oh, wow. I'm not kidding. That but, is incredible. Uh, yeah, dude, it was a feat. I wasn't sure what I was watching. I was like, what is this? And he's tuning up and like, I'm like, how is he doing this? And, you know, like, this is insane. Um, and lo and behold, um, yeah, he finished off the, the, the set. There was not a gap. I mean, the solo was a little different, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, it would be. Uh. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was, it was okay. But, wow. Um, Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen anything like that since. So, um, I don't know. It just goes to show you anybody can have a bad night. Uh, it's how you recover that really matters. I think and that's, of course, yeah. Artists like Slash, they recover, you know, like he's recovered a lot. Okay. Um, yeah. So. Well, yeah, of course. Artists, uh, an artist like Slash, um, the guy, you know, he's been doing this a long time, and it's not the first time that he's probably gone out of tune. It might be the first time he knew he was out of tune. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> you know, yeah. we won't go into that one. But if you, um, if you want to read about slash of substance abuse, I'm sure there's many sources to discuss. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's a completely different category right there. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's basically where we're going with this. I, I want to remind people of, you know, the fact that the show is based on the idea that we try to be a little bit more entertaining. And so sometimes that means we're going to say some things that might seem a little off, off key. We're not trying to insult anybody. Like that's no. not, I mean, recognize if we do say, oh, this guy's playing suck that night. Like it's always in the context of that night because we understand that clearly somebody's watching these people. Um, it just, even with the thing with Richard Benson, I mean, like you mentioned, he has 10,000 followers. So 22,000. Oh, is it 22,000? I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, sure. The guy, you know, appears not to be able to play guitar, but clearly a lot of people are following this guy, whether he's good or not, because it may be because he's bad and that may be, you know, making him a lucrative living. So, yeah. Um, all I know is that, that, um, it's one thing it, if, if some of the things that I heard are true, then it seems a little bit more, uh, uh painful that it happened because it, it's one thing if the, if the individual, um, uh, is, you know, is in on it, is in on it. In other words, it's a shtick. It's another thing if it's, um, because they've had an accident or something like that. That's yeah. So we had that discussion today. Yeah. That, and that's, that's the thing I, you know, it makes me feel terrible about because, uh, Jim and I kind of had a sideline discussion about another guitar player who, um, who had been, I had seen some places on the internet many years ago, uh, when I was first playing guitar, you know, starting to play guitar when I was like 16, 17 years old. Um, I saw, so if you, if you know who Sean Lane is, right. Um, Sean Lane is a, uh, what was a extremely talented guitar player. I mean, the guy could do anything with the guitar. Uh, one of these people that would, you know, for example, um, he wanted to play with the Indian, cla- Indian classical musicians. So he said, I'm going to learn Indian classical music. And then he read a bunch of books on it. And then he went and he sat in with Indian classical musicians and they like literally were like, where did you learn this? Who, sh- who taught you? And he said, I taught myself. And they were oh. like, we don't understand how that's even possible because the way that Western music is, is totally different. And we don't play with anyone who has not already been versed in Indian classical music. There was a whole, it was like this, this whole mind trip for them to see some of that good. That's one of the legendary tales. Another one is where he stole Ingve's band out from under him. Um, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's been several things like that happen. Um, Sean Lane was a monster. And if you can go watch any of the footage on YouTube, but the problem is Sean Lane appeared on the surface to have a weight problem, but it was caused by, I don't remember what the disorder was or the, the disease he had. Um, and I feel embarrassed to say that, but he had a re a, like a really bad disease that actually caused him to continuously gain weight through the remainder of his life. Um, and when he, I, he it, it actually led to to his death. And it's really it's really a sad story. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember when I first heard about Sean Lane, it was like this guy's a monster player, and here's this video, this grainy, you know, like real media player video of him, right? And um, they were all going on about how good he was. And then at the bottom of the thread, I saw some guy go, "He's just a fat fuck with a guitar," and I'm going, "What? What are you on?" You know. Um, and it's just what, like, like what you're saying with, with Richard Benson to make fun of somebody because 
they've had an accident or they've had some sort of disease or disability, it sucks. And if that's indeed what's happened in this case, like it sucks. It does. Um, and yeah. shame on whoever's involved for not doing their research and finding out the information. But it also should be a lesson to everyone. Hey, you know, just because somebody appears on the surface to be one way, don't assume that they're that way. Um, I would, I really don't want to weigh in like this, but I would still say based on the footage that I saw, which is likely the same footage that Stevie T saw, without any additional recognition, I would assume that this is that. Um, right. Very right. There's a band yeah. that comes to mind. Um, there's a band I, I saw at a, like a new metal show back in probably 98. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like the, it wasn't the family, Adam, the family values tour. It was like something else. Anyway, um, the, the performers that were like stained and corn. Um, mm-hmm. and the opening act was mindless self-indulgence. I am sure there are people in our podcast group that know who mindless self-indulgence, but the funny part about it is they were the wrong band for that crowd and they were throwing beer bottles at them and everything else. And I, and I can remember seeing this and I wasn't even a guitar player at that point going, that's embarrassing. And I can, I absolutely have to believe that on stage they're thinking the same thing. And for a lot of people that would discourage them from ever playing music again. Um, Now, of course, MSI had been around for quite a while at that point. And um, I'm sure they were like, you know, just shrugging it off as, you know, this is just this crowd. And, um, and they were actually, they sounded really good. Uh, I knew people who went out and bought the record after seeing them, but there were enough people in the front that were like, what in the hell is this music? Um, (laughs) And, and, and real, like I said, just the wrong band for that, for that kind of situation. Um, A little too, a little too um, underground electronic. There were some things there that like people just did not jive with, you know, so I, I mean I don't even know how you would classify their music, frankly. A lot of their songs are like 30 seconds long. It's I mean, it's just this like weird rock and it's just weird like rock metal hybrid. Rock metal rap dance club music okay. hybrid thing. Yeah. It's it's a very weird thing. But anyway, um, so I, I don't want to dwell on this too long. I wanna I I wanna kind of get past this whole like um CBT insulting thing. I I, I do hope that uh, you guys all take a, a chance to watch. Robert Jackson's video on this and to um, you know, if you feel strongly against what Stevie T did, write him a message, let him know. Um, Realistically, you got to understand Stevie T and a lot of these guys, but Stevie T in particular is kind of a recluse. He, he lives on he lives in a, like a a suburban slash rural area in Canada. And he really doesn't get involved with a lot of the rest of the community. You don't see him doing a lot of collaboration videos I think he just did something with Tyler Lawson. Um, but for the most part, he's pretty, uh, he's a pretty resigned guy. Um, and he's talked about the fact that he's got major anxiety issues and, um, and other yeah. challenges he's facing as well. And so maybe he's not really aware of his impact on the world because he doesn't interact with people all that much. Um, yeah. So, you know, don't hesitate to, to, if you see something like that, to call it out. We don't want to, Jim, you've talked about it before. We don't want to get into the sycophantic stuff where people are just no. you know, appreciating people for, or, you know, just appreciating what people do blindly. Um, exactly. Exactly. And sometimes I, they have to be told. I know my son, uh, I have um, one of my sons, uh, he's, um, he's Asperger's. And every now and again, I have to remind him that, uh, hey, you know, that might not be a good thing. And I know I have it. 
But in the 60s, they just called you um, weird. Um, You weren't you weren't allowed to be different. (laughs) I mean, we all have our issues. I have ADHD, I have Crohn's disease. I have, you know, there's a number of physical problems as well as mental problems that that I faced. Um, I'm in therapy right now for anxiety and uh, anger management. Um, and it's something that I could be very open with for, for people because I, because I want people to know you can get help and that you can go and do those things and you can live a fairly normal life. Um, we have a lot of anxiety problems here in the United States and it's just compounded by the fact that, you know, we have this economy and political system that's constantly churning and stuff. So if you need help, get it, um, moving, moving forward. Um, what's our next topic? Yeah, we need to we need to switch gears here. And so our next topic is um, we want to talk about and then this I'm glad we I'm glad we prefaced it the way we did. Um, We want to talk about people who have not changed with their music. Yeah. And um, you brought up one person in particular that really just hit home with me. And that's Bon Jovi. John Bon Jovi. Um. He is very much, except for the long hair, the same dude that he was when, um, what's the first record they did? I can't even remember. The one oh, geez, like 84? Yeah, eight, no, it was a lot earlier than that. It was like 82, 83 when the, when the song um, She's a Little Runaway. Yeah, in, I thought Runaway was in 84. Oh, no. I was, I was in San Diego. It was 83. She's a little uh, runaway. So if you, if you look at the guy, he hasn't really changed a whole lot physically i mean he's probably had some plastic surgery done i would imagine most people in his position have been have at some point had something done um not to say that you know there's anything wrong with that one way or the other uh it is clearly and clear in 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 any show business job that your your um your face is your brand and so i kind of understand that um it's just he doesn't he doesn't look like he's really that much older than he actually is until you get like real close up on him. But what gets me is he's still wearing the, the rock, the rock music clothing and stuff. And he's not been rock music, you know, in quite some time. No, he's been anything, but he's been pop. He's been country. He's been, um, uh, acoustic. Um, by the way, I, I stand corrected. It was January of 84. I thought it was late 83. So there you go. You got me. Exactly. All right. I, hey, Jim, I hadn't even been born yet. Oh, blow it up. And I knew that. I hadn't even been born yet, and I knew that. <clears throat> That's terrible. January 21st, 84. There was a Dance Club remix of it that came out in July of 2008. Oh, God. Help us all. There was I, a Dance Club. Well, we're going to get to that when we get to some, another topic. All right. right so, so we're talking uh, about John Bon Jovi. You know, um, I don't want to dwell on him. There's a lot of, there's a, what I was getting at is there's a lot of these musicians. All I wanted to say is there's a time when a musician who at one time looked cool, looked tough, doesn't anymore. That's all no. I was saying. No. And, and I think so they, try to, they try to come in with this, oh, we're badass. And it's like. Not anymore, dude. You haven't been badass really. in a really long time. That's like me trying to stick on my Spider-Man suit from, from uh, 1984. I probably don't fit in it. Um, I would. I, I don't see him wearing a spandex <laughs> anymore. I'll give him that much. Yeah. Okay. I won't um, see. I won't wear spandex. There was yeah. some video where I saw him in leopard print spandex. Well, the thing that got me. So he's he's got this cruise coming, right? And I've been I've been at Planet Fatness um, every day because I'm over there. And and folks, I'm making fun of myself, not anybody else. 
So I'm over there judging, uh, lest you be judged. Well, I'm judging myself. Judging himself. <laughs> I a lot of weight. But anyway, so I'm over at Planet Fatness. And um, they, they have this, you know, they have these videos that constantly churn. And it's, if you go there constantly enough, which I've been going there for the last nine days, congratulations to me. Um, pretty much I see the same videos over and over as, you know, in the hour and a half that I spent in the gym. And uh, so I'm looking up at the, the video thing, and it, there's this constant um, repeating uh, um, advertisement for John Bon Jovi, who's got this um, rock and cruise coming up, right? And you go on these cruises, and and he's got this thing like he's shouting at you, like ah, and it's like it, 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 it just. It, that looks it so lame. Back to when he was like twenty five or twenty four years old. He didn't even do that silly shit when he was twenty four. Well, that's I the thing. It. I was just gonna get there. I was like, it's almost like people expected that he did. So now he has to live the expectation. Yeah. Do you know I the just, one that gets me, Jim? The one that did that didn't age in the sense that like his career never changed. Yep. David Lee Roth. Yeah. I yep. don't think there's a person. This is not insulting because because first off. David Lee Roth is still physically capable of doing a lot of the things he used to do, which is oh, there's impressive to say the least. He and, um, he and D. Schneider and and John Bon Jovi have managed to stay in shape. Yeah, so David Lee Roth is still going on stage and doing his karate antics and wearing basically assless chaps and all this yeah. crazy stuff that he used to do. Does anybody yeah. have a ch- pair of chaps that have an ass? And that's what I'm yeah, saying. I mean, at this point, I mean, chaps. It's not a given. <laughs> I think, well, I just like saying assless chaps. So um, <laughs> I think everybody does. Uh, David Roth. Let me, let me, I'm looking. I'm, I, I I'm, saw a recent picture of him. He looks like he, he, you know, like a model for GQ. As a matter of fact, I think it was a, it was a GQ uh, uh, thing that I saw him on. And I'm, I'm like, God, the guy, I, I mean, he does look incredible for his age. He's got to be 60. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. Um, I'm looking right now. He is aged 64. 64. Yeah, he's almost 65 years old. He looks awesome for 64. I mean, yeah. incredible. And he's been active. I look great for 72. He's been I'm active old. in music since 1972. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the crazy thing about David Lee Roth, at least from, from my impression of him, is that he knows he's old, right? Like he knows not he's old, but he's he knows he's older, right? And um, I don't want to make this because I because I mentioned this to you. I don't want to make this one of those conversations where it's like, oh, well, when you're old, you can't do anything. Like, no, I get it, but at some point you have to be aware that the fans don't expect it. And David Lee Roth crossed the line because he's more concerned about the stage antics than his performing ability. And he was always that way. I, I I know I know, but the thing is, now he's at the age where he like should be mature enough to understand that people expect him to sing the songs properly. And yeah, yeah, but that was a complaint that, that Eddie Van Halen had with him the whole time. Well, but let's face it, Eddie Van Halen complains about everybody. Well, as long as you're in the band, you're great, and then as soon as you're gone, you're the worst thing on earth. And yeah, yeah. You, you were terrible. Note, and we yeah. had to play a flat tuning because of you. And yeah, you were awful at it. Yeah, his flat tuning excuse isn't isn't going to hold up because he played in flat tuning because he was a Eric Clapton fan. I know, um, I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, if anyone in this music industry 
And, and actually, he's a diamond in the rough, too. Eddie's no spring chicken. No. And, and though, though Eddie can bring it musically, yep. um, he's the exact opposite, right? Yeah. He's the guy that you would expect to still be the rocker who's not. Okay. Yeah, he's, well, he's been through some stuff. I mean, you know, the, the throat yeah, cancer. The was cancer. it mouth cancer or throat cancer? Stomach cancer? One of the, one of the three, if not yeah, all. Th- yeah, I think it was a combination. And then, of course, he, so he had cancer. He, um, but, but I'm talking about even going back to when David Lee Roth left Van Halen and then they make the mark shift towards doing pop music with, with, um, Hagar and, and then later Gary Sharon, which yep, the whole I think that's a whole other conversation. But yeah. I mean, the point is that, um, Alex and Eddie made a real clear switch. And so they did, as I said, they did the complete opposite rather than trying to adapt their music to become something it, it wasn't. And like, you know, the other bands have done this well. Genesis did it. Um, uh, yes, did it. I mean, a sure. bunch of bands made like a pop record and, and were really successful, um, but it had done, you know, more hardcore like rock records or even uh, in the, the case, those two bands are progressive rock records. Yeah. And with with Van Halen, they they made this shift. And that was like, this is the way we are now. And yeah. they changed with the times. But they change. I hesitate to say this because I know there are people that like Hagar, but it changed too much. That's why yeah. people have been waiting for a David Lee Roth reunion for so many years. When it happened, you know, it was like, oh, it's finally they they figured it out. They figured out what the you know what the hardcore fans really want. Yeah, um, yeah, they wanted the the first. What was that? Five albums. There was uh, Van Halen, Van Halen Two, Diver Down, Women and Children First. Um, uh, in 1984, right? Those were the sure, sure. Those are the five. 1984 albums. is the last one with uh, yeah, yeah, with with, and then when they went to, I mean, they had some record sales. I mean, let's let's face it, there were a lot of record sales when it came to um, you know, Van Hagar. I, mean, I I think there's a lot to be said about played out style and aesthetic, and played out. I don't say played out music because that's. I mean, so we could say, oh, Van Halen's style of music is played out, but then there are bands like Steel Panther out there who are parodying it, but they're parodying it by doing a better job than they do, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Um, and arguably, I mean, obviously the lyrical content for Steel Panther is just, it's its own thing. Yeah. Um, but you get what I'm saying, like... Musically, we're talking Yeah, music. yeah, yeah. Um, you think about, you know, these other genres, and we, we, you're not deeply immersed in metal but i'll I'll explain let me explain black metal to you in a nutshell corpse paint norwegian okay church burnings that three things that you need for for norwegian black metal um and (laughs) i'm sure and i I, i'll get crucified in this group because i because i know that there are people that know way more about metal than i do but it seems to me that the corpse paint and the outfits that went around along with Norwegian black metal kind of fading into obscurity. And that a lot of the guys that were involved in that scene have now transitioned into other avenues of music. Most of them are still playing metal in some form. I would, I would guess. Um, But I was watching a documentary and they were talking about the different types of metal. Um, And I guess it was broadcast on TV. Uh, And they were talking about, you know, the, the, they called it the extreme metal subgenre, which contained things like death metal and Norwegian black metal and all these other, you know, little facets. Um, right. And they were the ones that were like, Norwegian black metal is dead. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's now dated 
and there will continue to be people that are that are a part of it but right. at some point they're going to be looked at just the same way that david Lee roth and bon jovi are in the sense that they didn't change with the time well yeah i you know going with the changing with the times thing there's always the group of people who don't want the band to change and then there's always a group of people sure that sure there's can't believe they're struggle. not changing and it's a it's a difficult struggle. Every band struggles with that, right? Every band. Oh, we're gonna like how about how about pop bands who decide to I'll, I'll I'll give you a guy that believe it or not they wouldn't let change. Leif Garrett. This is this yeah. is funny because it's it's hilarious. People are like Leif Garrett. He was horrible, right? No, Leif Garrett was was like he did Zeppelin and he did all this stuff like that. And he was he was this really like. He had this incredible vocal range. He had all this stuff. And instead they, they had him let him around. Yeah. And they wouldn't let him. They were like, no, no, you cannot do that. No one would like it. No one would accept it. And so um, if you come into like, you know, the times, I, uh, some of the greatest bands, their best albums are the ones I shouldn't say best. Their biggest selling albums are the ones that destroy them. Take, yep. Take Foreigner. Foreigner was was going along. Everybody, uh, you know, a whole bunch of people loved them. They're kind of subgenre. They were the kind of guys you could meet in a pizza place. And you wouldn't even know you were sitting next to Foreigner. Yeah. And then at, at Rolling Stone called them the faceless fans in an, in an article I read in the seventies. Um, they wanted to make Foreigner be to be Led Zeppelin in the sense that there was a studio put together band. That's what Jim's talking about. It's yeah. A, it's a commentary that I don't know a lot of people in my generation would understand in the yeah, sense it, that like they were. Like gorillas are today, exactly. And it was kind of like you know they came together, and there was this there was this singer that was also a painter in Rochester, and picked this guy up. So anyway, <clears throat> um, Foreigner comes out with four, and suddenly boom. Then all of a sudden, up oh, sellouts. What REO Speedwagon? They were going along, they had a bunch of hits, and then you know if you can't tune a piano, you can you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish, and so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden. Out comes high infidelity, big hits, boom, sellouts. Um, and uh, you know, you could you could probably name several bands, sticks, the cars, you know, they had candio and they had all the other stuff. And everybody then has records before they hit. Yep. It's not the way it used to be. Or not the way today, it's not the way it used to be, where your first record is platinum selling because they put the hype machine on. Right. It didn't work that way back then. You promoted nope. by going out and playing. You got in front of enough people, and then suddenly your next record exploded. You right. know? And and so many bands. I mean, if you think about it, Iron Maiden, Rush, you know, so many bands that exploded, even though <clears throat> um, Judas Priest, there was no radio play for metal back in the day. And yet Judas Priest sold millions of yeah. records and like huge tours. I don't think I heard Iron songs. Maiden on the radio until I was probably 26 or 27 years old. I can remember hearing Iron Maiden on the radio once. I, that is the truth. And I saw them like, I saw a video on, on uh, MTV and uh, saw um, Yeah, it's like, I was already a fan. Music video? What? They had music videos? <laughs> I know. I, I saw a video. It was it was for um, uh, Flight of the Ancient or not, no, Flight of Icarus. And I was like, what? They had a video? What gets me, Jim, what gets me about that is you're you're absolutely right. It's like they have a video, but but the best part is that when it, when they do their countdowns of like you know best metal bands of all time on VH1 or whatever, they make out like they played them. 
all right. the time. They were in constant right. rotation. Oh my God, we love these guys. You didn't ever play them, not even on the freaking. And and uh, by the time MTV got around to playing metal, it was all hair metal. Yeah, it was Wasp. It was um, yeah. It was like, like we, it, was, it was just into that moment where it was the you know the um, the poison type bands, you know. Yep. Um, Rat. But yeah, not, it was earlier not, than Poison. And again, Rat, yeah, who was earlier than Poison? Rat was another band that had these all these great albums and everybody loved them. And then they did that, you know, round and round thing, and everybody went up, oh, sold out. And then they couldn't they couldn't find well, it. Let's not talk about Rat, because then I'm going to talk about their their current implosion. Warren D. Maturini and everything oh, else. Oh my God. Their current implosion is really sad. It's it's already happened before. I mean. They, it is yeah. literally a repeat of what happened the last time. Well, the original guy, he passed away. Well, no, but I mean, like they, they had, they had another revival. Yep. And yeah, it's just, it's just sad. Yeah. There was Warren D. Martini and I can't remember. I, I wish I could. I, I honestly, yeah, it just but the other guy that passed away that um, he had uh, uh, complications from AIDS. But. I mean, it, I think it was, I think it was rat. Man, I, I would get yeah. rat and doc and confused all the time. Oh, and then there's um, doc and, yeah, I love Dokken. Uh, yeah. Don't like George Lynch's tone very much, but I do like Dokken. So. Not a big George Lynch tone fan. I got the guy is obviously incredibly yeah. talented. He's an incredible player. He just needs to, he needs to put a high cut on, yeah, on all of his recordings right around 5K. Mm, I have hurt. a theory. I have a theory, Jim. George Lynch has played hear those so many years and he can't hear, so he turns the treble up as high as he can. That's my theory. <laughs> I, I always felt that with um, uh, later when I heard Ace Fraley and the, and the later stuff, I was like, oh, yeah. He, no, and, they, and there are people that have basically confirmed that at this point. Because yeah. I've heard that from several individuals that the reason why he uses so much treble now is because he can't hear it. He can't hear it. Um, he can't hear it in the mix. So he trebles it out to, to get it out. Hope to have a good sound guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because the audience doesn't deserve that. Uh, but anyway, well, you, you, do they deserve hearing protection? <laughs> Say that much. They do. You know what? And and actually, Jim, I'm glad you brought up Kiss because, look, love it or hate it, those guys are aging, yep. and they're still doing what they did. I mean, it's like they they changed, and then they kind of circle back and realize they had to do kind of a revival thing. Yep. Um, and it's pretty clear that they're not in the same physical shape that they were originally, but they've structured the show in such a way to you know kind of remove any doubt but yeah. clearly gene simmons if you look if you take one look at him he doesn't look like he did back in the day do you know how many you know it's funny you can you can look up gene simmons fails and you can see so many times that poor guy fell over in those stupid shoes <laughs> yeah i mean well it happens to people like especially when you're doing those kind of antics um yeah. and actually i think most of the kiss fans would take that away as like i saw gene simmons fall like that was really cool yeah uh, yeah and they would actually think it was it was you know like playing, show, or, yeah, yeah, like yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. not not ha <laughs> ha, not the not the Gene Simmons. You know, just broke his ankle on stage, and he's going to continue to play the rest of the show. Right, um, right. Who was it? Foo Fighters. That guy. That guy did that. I will say this while we're on the subject of people who've kind of aged out of what they do. Um, and it's not just necessarily age. There, other things can happen too. Um, yeah. Cultural phenomena, like look at um, Living Color, one of my favorite bands. You know, you look at their first oh, music geez. videos and stuff, and they're in the spandex and all that. They yeah. are nothing like that now, because they because no. they realized right away that like that fashion was a trend and failed miserably. You know? Yeah, 
Well, um, they were towards not at the tail end, but towards the tail end. Oh yeah, like nineteen eight. Their their album hit in eighty eight or eighty nine. Yeah, and like to put it in perspective, Appetite for Destruction happened eighty seven, and that really changed the landscape for hard rock at that point. So it was like a whole other. They were a whole other ball of wax. It was amazing to me because because so that band's history. They had um, they came out with Vivid, which is the first record, um, and then I think they had um, they had like a like an EP before that. Um, the, but Vivid included that EP and then they had, uh, they had like this other, like really obscure record they did between, and then they had times up Yeah, and times up. Is it better than their first record, which almost never happens? Um, and it took off on an underground thing and it kept going in the height of grunge and they were touring it and it was like, it was a big deal. So then they did stain. That was their third record. And Stain was the one where they like kind of lost their way and it actually caused the band to break up. Yeah. Um, the band imploded. So that was, yeah. And, and Stain is, is like living color playing new metal. Right. But the funny part is when they came back like 10 years later or whatever, uh, they came back with a record called kaleidoscope and it's very much them doing the same thing. Like, okay, now we have to be relevant. So we're going to make another new metal record. Now they're doing their, they're doing their own thing again, but it's like, it was almost like we got to redo Stain and we got to do it better this time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. This, it was funny. Um, Stain's a great record, though. Uh, there's some good songs in there, Wall Between Us and, and stuff like that. So I, w- I would highly recommend if anybody's uh, looking for some stuff to check out. Uh, Living Color is one of those bands that um, is obviously controversial because they were they were black rock music, you know? Um, yeah. And there were other bands, too. as a Wishbone Ash, I think, is one of them. Yeah. Um, and there there's been some other ones at that time it was like, I guess they consider that period the Harlem Renaissance, right? And yeah. they were like, we're rock musicians. And it's funny because Living Color is made up of guys that play jazz and funk and fusion. And they made heavy metal records, you know, and, they, and they're good. They're good records. So I, I would highly recommend uh, checking them out. Of that of that, that little subgenre, like the Harlem Renaissance rock music, I would say they're probably the best. Um having listened to several of the other artists from that, that period, uh, they get highly regarded and are talked about the most. So, um, but yeah, so don't, I mean, I guess my takeaway from this for anybody who's listening, um, don't discount somebody because they don't look the part. Um, understand that some musicians do see value in changing their appearance or their art, uh, as a result of changing trends. Some of it's just production related. With that, yeah, that's a whole nother thing. Because obviously, people say, "Oh, well, this record doesn't sound like the old ones." Well, no, because the old one was recorded on two-inch tape in 1971, and this was recorded in Pro Tools in their in their in their you know backyard studio last week. <laughs> it's like, no, they're not going to sound the same. You know, they're yeah, not even exactly. the they're not even the same thing. <laughs> so ones and zeros versus magnetic tape. There's going to be a huge difference, right? Um, so you know, just just that's the takeaway that I'd like our listeners to have from this is that give everybody a fair shake, but also understand that there are people that, that kind of, I was having this discussion with my brother um, about another celebrity who I won't, I won't involve in this, but uh, that it's very easy for people to like, look at a, a, a group's fans say, I don't like those assholes. And then, and then apply that to the group. And it's like, they don't really necessarily choose who their fans are. Um, but you will always see them play to their fans. 
And that's the thing where it's like, I don't know if I like this or not. So they almost become a symbiotic thing. And so it's very easy to get lost in that. Basically, use your brain, judge music for yourself. Um, don't let image get too, too up in it. But I'm also just, let the image guide you as well. Right. I, I'm just hoping that eventually. I'd like to get some uh, guitars back in music, popular music. Well, okay. So that's what I was, I was going to that next. So I actually saw a band. Now they've probably been around for a long time. I'm sure they have, but that are hitting and they're called the struts. Yeah. And, um, I, I, haven't, like, I haven't heard them, but I have heard of them. It looks and sounds kind of like Queen coming back. And if you get a chance, listen to a song called um, uh, Prima Donna Like Me. And uh, Make sure they're not uh, modeled on uh, the darkness. Positive. Because the darkness is pretty much the same thing. Yeah, Prima Donna Like Me. And, and they, the guy has a very, very uh, Freddie um, Mercury look. To him uh and um <clears throat> all i can say is and i'm sure that he did some freddie mercury type stuff i'm sure that they're gonna get one of these oh they're they're just um another band trying to be the queen you know trying to be queen but they don't they don't have the same um sonic connection to queen that you get from the um uh, greta van fleet with uh with Led Zeppelin, yeah. yeah. I think I we've talked about Greta Van Fleet before. I think Greta Van Fleet is abandoned flux. I'm I just think glad we're going to see them solidify, and it's going to change. Yeah, I'm just glad to see bands like this um, bringing uh, music, uh, this the actual, rock music because they've been around. They've been doing this performance. Before. Yeah, and uh, it's nice to see that that they haven't given up and gone. Oh, you know what? We're just going to go with EDM as well. well and, I mean, dude, and, and let's be honest, if these guys are really into queen and like, they've listened to them and kind of modeled themselves on some of the musical, uh, right. um, I would, I would say this, that's dangerous for them because queen's out there touring right now. They're touring with Adam Lambert. Okay. Now yep. I'm going to say that oh, gonna, Adam's back. That's at the, not queen. No. That's not queen. No. I love Brian queen. May. He's one of my favorite guitarists on earth. That's not fucking Queen. Well, you know who else isn't touring with him? John Deacon. That's right. John Deacon refuses. Yep. Yep. And it's, well, so there's a couple of reasons for that. John Deacon refuses because he can't do anything musically without hearing Freddie's voice in his head. That's, yeah. that's something that has been, been said privately. Um, it has leaked into the press numerous times. He doesn't do interviews. Uh, that's my understanding. Yeah, no, he won't. Okay. Um, and, you know, he wrote... Uh, he wrote uh, oh, yeah. several he's, of their major hits. He's the one um, that wrote the the riff to Under Pressure. He's the one that wrote the riff to um, uh, the Another One Bites the Dust. Yeah. He's the one that you know. I mean, well, he wrote the lyrics to Another One Bites the Dust too. They threw him out. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he wrote that a song was, about cowboys. They did not like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm reminded of that. Uh, there's a Family Guy episode where um, <clears throat> Ringo Starr brings him. He goes. Oh, guys, I wrote a song. Oh, Ringo wrote a song. That's really nice, Ringo. We're just going to put it right here on the refrigerator. Just like that. See? There's Ringo Starr's song right here on the refrigerator for everyone to see. <laughs> there was way more respect for me towards Queen when they toured with Paul Rogers. And I'll explain why. Because when they okay. toured with Paul Rogers, 
It was Queen plus Paul Rogers. They were playing both bands material. I mean, obviously Paul Rogers has. Right. Well, he's got free. He's got bad company. He's got Paul Rogers by himself. Yeah. He's got all kinds. Yeah. um, He's got the band he was in with or the firm, you know, Um, there was a possibility he was going to be an ACDC. Yeah. Well, I believe it. Top runners for ACDC. Yeah. Um, What, what a world that would have been. Um, So anyways, if if you stop and you, you know, you consider that like he was the perfect choice because even Freddie said when he was live, if there was anybody going to swing sing for Queen but me, it would be Paul Rogers. And so they did it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Adam Lambert gets big on American Idol, which you know how I feel about that. I think I've talked about American Idol on the show before. Um, and, it, and, and Adam Lambert had already been a professional musician up until that point. Um, and it, I don't think he won. I think if he did win. That's a, no, I no, he didn't I there he, was I a he lot was of people that that because it broke that he was gay the day before. That's right. That's right. Well, it broke that he was gay, but everybody kind of knew like it was not a surprise. I know, but it, there was a there was a controversy of whether or not the breaking of the news that he was gay was <clears throat> so that he would lose votes. I mean, we're, it's it's sad. We're talking about that. Yeah. yeah. It, it, and it's such a. um that wasn't that long ago either. That was like 2007 no. or 2008. You That's know? what I'm saying. It wasn't that long ago that people were that, well, that there was the assumption at least that there was that much um, uh, homophobia. That you so the screwed up part about this is, and maybe this makes me a bigot, and I'll fully admit to this. Part of the reason why I look at the situation, I say bringing Adam Lambert into this band is a, is a just a mess mistake from, from the get-go is because Freddie was Freddie's um, his sexuality, albeit you know whatever you want to call him, because he was involved with everybody and their mother. Um, That's right, their uh, mother, male and female, uh, frankly. Um, Because the song, the song, um, uh, oh, what's the what's the one they they do acoustically? I know you were just talking about. um, We were just listening. My best, not not my best friend. Um, Anyway, love of my life. It's written (laughs) for the woman that he left all his money to. Yes. Um, so uh, the, the problem I have is that it almost feels like this is the cookie cutter replacement for Freddie Mercury for them. And it's, I mean, right down to literally the defining characteristics of Freddie's life, which are like the promiscuity, um, the, you know, the, of course, the, the incredible vocal ability uh, and all of that. But you know what? The funny thing is he's a pale facsimile because yeah. Freddie, Freddie could do everything. He went and did fucking ballet for Christ's sake. I, won't, I mean, I won't argue that he's like the Walmart. Um, yeah, uh, he's like the, know. he, uh, that was my idol growing up. And so therefore I should be him on stage. And that's, that's what bothers me is it's not, I should be myself, you know, performing his material. I should be him because I was him growing up. Like that's the way I felt about myself. No, dude, well, like, no, yeah. no. Yeah, that said, I, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Adam Lambert uh, I'm gonna give Adam Lambert a, a, a pass on this one because Adam I, I can't say anything about Queen, but we'll give Adam a, a pass on this one because if somebody called me up and said, "Hey Jim, uh, you know David Gilmore can't play anymore, but we want to do a Pink Floyd revi- revival and we want you there, can you do it?" It's not I, his fault. No, I'm not blaming him. Like, let's make this very clear. He should be like, yeah. you want me to do this? Yeah. I would take sure. that job. Yes. The answer is yes. Yeah. No, I, I totally it. agree, Jim. But the problem with this is not that. The problem is 
queen wants it that way. And that's like, I almost see it as dishonoring Freddie's memory in a way, but at the same time, it's also like, well, I, I can get where their, where their pro- argument is probably from, which is that uh, for, for, you know, Brian May and, and um, Roger Taylor, it's probably one of these situations where they have kind of looked into themselves and said, Freddie would want us to perform his music in the best way that we can. And preserve his music for future generations and provide people the opportunity to see what he did. That's right. And, and so it's almost like his music becomes classical music at that point. It becomes this honestly, thing that gets played posthumously. Yes. I, I honestly believe because it would be hard for me to believe anything nefarious was going on with Brian May. I mean, not because I'm, I'm being sick of panic at this point because I, you know how I am about that. He seems like a genuine I mean, dude. He's he's very genuine. He need, he doesn't need any money. No, this is not about money. This is this is very much like a vanity project for them at this point. Yeah. Like, and that's why I said I think it's more motivated by preservation. Yeah. Um, which now Roger Taylor, I don't know. I if can he... understand that. That's the only reason why I'm like I I would still listen to them if they were playing on PBS or something. I would yeah. watch the performance. I'm not gonna buy tickets. I would. If they came to town, I would be right in line. I would I, yeah, see that's it's where we dare. I mean, I go see Brian May doing a solo thing. I go see Roger Taylor doing a solo thing, frankly. Um, I just don't think I would go see Queen without somebody else headlining. And it's so not that, anything against Adam Lambert. It's against it's it's more based on the fact that um this is more about I don't know. It just it just there's too much, it just feels weird to have somebody that's so much cut out of the image of the predecessor who who is a freaking legend uh by all accounts it would be like you know um elvis getting elvis's band getting back together with carl perkins and everybody you know that was involved in the uh the recordings and then being like we're gonna tour and we're gonna use this elvis impersonator over here what What? i mean how many times did double how many times did double trouble um tour without uh well they always had a different um, headliner though it's the same thing as like queen and paul rogers it was double trouble plus Sean Lane, because that actually right. happened, by the way. Yep, Double um, Trouble plus John Mayer. Yeah. Double, uh, double Trouble well, plus... Um, so that was like a couple one-off shows, though, right? The, the Andy Alador. John Mayer thing, but yeah. No, and and so that's their right, because they're a rhythm section. And, I mean, I get that. But if they were to if they were to say something like Double Trouble playing the music of Stevie Ray Vaughan with... Um, and, and I, I start Like Stevie Ray Vaughan's nephew, okay? Because I don't know if you knew that. He, he says his nephew that is a really freaking good guitar player. Um, and you know, of course, he's got DNA from both Jimmy and Stevie. So, um, yeah, that, that would be weird. You know, that's like, okay, we're going to get this guy who's, you know, got the legacy and we're just going to stick him in here and just pretend like it's Stevie Ray. <laughs> that's weird. Um, it's just, it's just a weird feeling I get. And I don't think it's necessarily a knock on them per se, but, but I certainly have my questions about it. And, um, so I guess that's the way we should leave that. Yeah. Um, so moving on, uh, we, so, spent, we spent a fair amount of time on that topic. So let's go to the one, whether it's next or not, let's, because it kind of segues into that. When is it okay to change a key to a song if you're going to cover a tune? So personally, I think the key matters only in the regard that if you're going to play, like you're not going to play uh, Crazy t- Train in C standard tuning. You know what I mean? Like down five steps or something. 
That's exactly what I was going to get at. So I'm in a cover band, as you know. And one of the, one of the people, we were, we were looking at doing the Red Hot Chili Peppers um, version of Higher Ground. Right. Okay. Which the, the original, flat, right? what's that? That's the E flat standard. Well, the original was an E flat, but they, okay. they, they tuned the standard. So they play an E. All right. So they just did a regular standard. I, I was trying to think of it in like the relationship. Cause I know I do. I did actually know the Stevie, Stevie wonder. A lot of his recordings are E flat. Superstition yeah. another one. Superstition is another one that's an E flat. He liked to play an E flat, whether that was where. Well, that's because on keys, it's way easier to play in, in, in uh, E flat. So. Yeah. More white keys. Uh, no, well, it's it's the uh, actually it has to do with how you transition between white and black keys and then the the repetition of the hand. No, I, there, there's there's logical reasons to play like E flat B. That, yeah, I was going to say so, B E flat or our popular. Those key, are those are the key tunings. The like, you know what I mean? That's what they use. So. C major, um, which is probably but, also partially. We were talking about Van Halen. That's probably partially the reason that they tuned to E flat in the beginning was because. Eddie was a piano player first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't know that he was a pianist. So, <clears throat> um, what I was uh, what I was going here with um, is so he wanted to take that from from E, which is fine if you want to move it. We wanted to move it to A, and I'm like, yeah, but that that loses the punch. There's there's a with certain songs, the reason that the keys are chosen the way they are is because the chord punches, you know, um, uh, you in the gut. And that song wouldn't punch you in the gut, A. It would yes. lose its... Yes. You see and what I, I mean? I think it has more... To, so I talk about transposition and I talk about changing tunings, right? And that's partially because more often than not, you're going to find that you're going down in key for a song than going up. Right. And that shift is exactly what Jim's talking about. If you if you write a song in E standard, and then you guys decide you're going to do what I said, you're going to move it five steps down or whatever it is, and you're going to go to C, right? Right. Then every chord is going to be that same gut punch, and exactly. it's going to diminish. And, and it's so, so you think about you think about um you know using the Nashville numbering system. So if you so if you don't transpose by uh, retuning the, the instrument and you basically play it like let's say you you're playing a song in e so you're playing it the seventh fret on the a string and then yep. instead you're going to play it in d so now you're the 10th fret on the low e or something like that that is a major no-no for doing that because you're actually changing the voicings of the chords which will have a profound effect on the arrangement you can get away with it. i'm not saying you shouldn't do it i'm just saying it's a conscious choice to do it Right. So are you reworking the song or are you performing it as original? Exactly. You know, like as it was originally. And so that's where you've got to like draw the line. And I, I've had those kinds of discussions with people before where it's like, well, is this our own version of this song? Or is this, I mean, are we trying to do the original justice? And that's yeah. always what it comes down to. Yeah. So if you look at it, if you looked at it where what I would have to do on a guitar, so that the chords are quite simple it's e g and a right and there's an f sharp transition thing for you know the bridge so um if you if you look at what you what you're playing if i'm going to move all those to a now i've got a c and d right and i'm uh, inversions and everything else to make it work 
I mean, exactly. And and so, how am I going to make that um, that e that a punch the way an e does? I can't. And let, the bass not unless you tune it down. And the other thing is that the the keyboard player doesn't think about is the bass player ha- is playing a lot of octaves. I mean, that's that's please yeah. thing that pop and slap octave thing. And when you take away, when you move that to the A string, you've taken away his ability to go one more set for octaves. You know what I mean? Can I ask a question? And plus, now he thinks it'll sound, he because he's on a keyboard. Well, his part will sound fine. Yeah. And he's only doing it because he doesn't feel comfortable playing in a standard tuning. No, he's, now, he wants to sing it there. Okay, so it's so it's about the vocals. And and I said no, then I'll take it because I can sing it there. And so it, here's the thing, though, when you when you take it to the A, the guitar player can move, and the key, like you said, I can rearrange it. It's a giant but it will sound so that's like, not like like the chipmunk should be doing it. Yeah, I was just gonna say you're going from E to A. So think about that for a minute. That's a huge fucking leap. Exactly. Either that or I'm going That's down to where I'm going. Octave. Yeah, I'm going down to. You yeah, know, dude, and, like, why don't you just get a subwoofer and a fucking whammy pedal? Because that's what you're going to need. <laughs> and, and a lot of times it's that's where musically um, you need someone that can understand what you're talking about. And unfortunately, this is not one of those keyboard players who, you know, the old joke. How do you get the keyboard? Yeah, player yeah right, right, right. Playing, take away his music. He doesn't really read sheet music and, and and he's limited in that he knows at minors and majors. He doesn't really know sevenths and ninths. And yeah. He's not doing any of the extended chords. No, he's not I, extending at all. He does sometimes. He's a vocalist only- who plays keys is what it yeah. is. And there's yeah. a lot of people like that. I run into him myself. Um, yeah. I, I never knew that there could be like a cowboy chord version of a, of a keyboard player. Yeah. So here, here's my thing. And I think I think this is some good advice, and I think you may want to apply it to your situation. If if you are changing the key of a song by more than a whole step in either right. direction, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. doing it wrong. In yeah. other words, that's not the song you should be singing. Nope. Now, and nope. usually, see, Jim, to your credit, usually if you're a vocalist and you need to shift, it's not a half step. It's because the song is not written for your, you know, you're an alto or you're a tenor, you know, you know what I mean? Like you're not the right voice for that. And so right. people have to accept that sometimes. Yeah. And they just have to say, hey. So we, uh, I'll give you another example. So we do an Eddie Money song. Um, uh, the one, I think I'm in love. There is a, there is a particular um, uh, intro that I have to do that, it, that needs open strings. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that eight six seven five three on my jetty thing. Right, right. It uses open strings. Now, of course, the original is in E flat. I can take it to E, and I can sing it in E. So I don't need to tune down for it. But the other guy wants to sing it, and he wants to do it in C. I'm like, that's fine. But now you're going to have to play those chords because I can't do them. They require this much distance on the fretboard yeah. between the notes. Yeah. Not going to happen. Unless I'm going to put a capo on there. That's not going to happen. <laughs> and, and then it would sound like dog shit. Yeah, right. Because it would be like... Well, and of, it would be out of tune, too, because you use a capo... Look, 
I know everybody's like, oh, capos don't, you know, if you, if you put it, you install them right. They're not out of tune. Bullshit. I can hear when you have a capo installed. I can. And um, it's it's not a terrible sound. Like, I, I when I hear it, I kind of know, like, instinctively, that's a capo, and they're doing it for a certain reason. But I have one of those too, Jim. He's holding up his uh, his Steinberger design capo. Yep. Um, and at the NS capo. Yep. Um, I have one of those as well. But even those, because the it's just the nature of the fact that you're holding the strings down. When you play a bar chord, all of a sudden your bridge shifts. Even you've if you changed, have a hard tail, your neck shifts. You've and changed you your differences. Exactly. Well, you've changed your your uh, uh, scale way. Exactly. Exactly. And so. you know, the thing is that yeah, I could I could throw a capo on it for a tune. I could throw a capo on it. Well, I mean, let's face it. Most of us guitar players know when you play an open G chord versus an open A chord, you can tune to make that open G sound perfect. But if I, if but then I you played an open A, and it sounds like shit. You know, but if I'm bringing E to C, I'm putting a capo yeah. on it. Fret. Do you know? How ridi- I I, oh, I know. Him. I said, look. Might as well just play a Nashville tuning. Fuck it. <laughs> I said, look, this is how ridiculous you're asking us to do. I said, um, you know, I'm, so how about I, you I, pick some songs that are in his range? I used it. Yeah, that's what I said. I said, then do a song that's in your range. And 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 since my bandmates don't listen to this podcast anyway, I well, at least for now, <laughs> Jim, I, you're I, fired. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 I don't care. Um, because <laughs> I'm not gonna go past must pass January if I go past January because I just can't do that. I cannot sit there and hold my tongue while you know the bass player is the same. He's he's having the same problem. He says if we can't do it here, can't do it. There are certain songs you can just change the keys around because it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, I would I would argue that that um, in some cases, like I said, I still think that whole step rule applies because the audience can tell. Like if you, if you come out and you're instead of an A chord, you're hitting you're hitting an, you know the F sharp. Like it everybody's gonna be me, like, yeah. what the fuck? It reminds me of um, when, uh, it, it, yeah, that's the thing he doesn't understand. Again, um, uh, he wanted me to move hurt so good to F sharp. And, and that's an open A. So imagine where the capo would have to go for hurt so good. But anyway, so um, I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are you thinking? What the fuck are you what thinking? He's thinking? What he's thinking is, I have a limited range. I like these songs, and I want to sing these songs and these songs only. And the reality is, he needs to figure out what his range is and start finding material he likes in that range. I think what he thinks is, is so be a professional. Right. Well, okay. So I'm going to take the other side of it, even though I don't, I know, I know, I know. So there are, um, there was a, um, television show back in, back before you were born in the days of dinosaurs and, and, and cavemen. Um, there was a show called, um, uh, solid gold. And if you ever get a chance to watch solid gold, you'll see all these musicians who are doing popular songs in the wrong keys. And it comes across like like Tom Jones in Vegas. And if you're doing a Tom Jones thing, that's one thing. If you're out there going, yeah, this world do low for anyone. And and you're do, and, and everything is in the same fucking key. Can we, can we just talk about how Jim just did like the worst Tom Jones impression <laughs> ever? I love it. I love it. I did. I did. I did an audible time because I am not a freaking lounge singer. Star oh, or an opera singer for that matter. You know, yeah. And well, then I can't really hear myself, guys. 
But <laughs> you're out there, you're going, Star Wars. Soon yeah. I'll be <laughs> Hell yeah. One. Star Wars. You know, you're, you're freaking, um, you know, it, it just worry. sounds, it sounds loud singer. Take, yeah. take any money. I, I took it. I said, here's what you're doing. And I took it and I, and I put it in software and I moved the, the song down to C. I said, this is, and it, and it went, take me home tonight. I don't want to let you go to the sea of or whatever. It's like, it's like uh, Barry and White like, singing. Uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> that's I, was awful. Reminded, I was reminded of the awful rendition that Pink did of uh, Benny and the Jets recently. Oh. So, yeah. Let, yeah. Well, we could talk about Metallica doing Prince. Uh, yeah, that no, I would rather that, not. <laughs> I would rather awful. not. <laughs> that was awful, and they should not have done it. And whether they meant to be, whether they were trying to do something nice or whatever, I don't know. What is our next topic? So anyway, <laughs> the key more than one step in either direction. Yeah, be careful. I mean, typically, people will bring a, a key down. I have to bring, there are songs I have to bring up because I have a higher sure, voice, sure, I have a higher yeah. range, you know? And so when I try to sing lower stuff, as you can see, it doesn't really come across. But Jim, you and, often, you often, you do know the songs that are like perfect for you. Right. And I, and I choose them. Right. Um, you know, recently I did a, I did a solo gig um, a week or so back and I tuned a guitar down a step uh-huh. just to make it easier to sing through the night. I tuned the whole guitar down a step, but you know, what was beautiful. I could do, I did yesterday in the original key is yesterday is was tuned down a step and they played it with a G form, even though it's an F song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a thumb. So our, so our next topic is kind of, I, I had slated a lot of time for this. I'm going to try to run through my part as fast as I can. Jim and I went out over the last couple of days yep. and we played the next tone. The next tone. Because I played talk, both versions. Because we talked, well, I couldn't get my hands on both versions, yeah. but because we talked about the next tone video that Ryan did and I made a mistake and I said, no, he shot out the right ones. Look, right or wrong. That video, yes, you can clearly tell they sound different, but my point was it didn't sound $200 different, right? Um, playing, I'm going to give my impressions first, Jim, because I, I started this brand. Yep. Playing, uh, playing the next tone. All right. So Jim and I kind of briefly talked about this before the show, and I, and I already said this, which is that these amps are not targeted at Jim and I, Okay. These amps are targeted at people who want a pedal platform, right? Um, and are basically going to use pedals to do pretty much everything because they're not high gain. Number one, uh, they're focused on they do have they do have a, a, a clean and dirty channel, but the dirty channel on on it is uh, decidedly more vintage than I would go for a five hundred dollar amp, um, and. The clean channel is somewhere between a JC120, but more on the Fender side of clean, right? Um, the, the the features of this amp, as again, previously stated, I'm sure you've been seeing this thing all over the internet. Uh, it's basically, you got a reverb. I don't know. Do you have delay? I don't even remember. I don't remember if you have I don't delay. think you have I'm, delay. I'm, I think it's just reverb. I think you've got, uh, and you've got the voicing switch and a wattage switch. And the voicing switch allows you to pick 
your output stage, different tubes. Now, here's where we're going to get, here's where we're going to get, then I'm going to start getting pissy because it has 6V6, 6L6, and then I know I'm not going in the right order, an EL84 and an EL34 voice. It's missing some and some ones that I think that are, you know, are worth exploring, particularly one, and that's KT66. Um, and that's because a lot of the guys love those KT66 JTM45s, which is exactly the sound that this amp is trying to emulate, at least in my in the way I play it. It's very much like somewhere straddling the line between vintage Marshall, vintage American style amp. Um, I noticed decidedly when you go to the EL84 and the EL34 voicings, you're going to get a lot more of that sort of flavor. Um, I did like the 6B6 voicing quite a bit. 6L6, I've never really been a big fan of 6L6s anyway. So, but the thing is, these voicings, you, 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 as a consumer, if you've never done this before, if you've never actually tried different voicings, you've never had the privilege of sitting and hearing the same head with two different sets of tubes in it that are literally like, you know, different tube types. Um, you'd think, oh, that that has a major impact on the sound. I would say it's like 10%, if if that, okay? It's minute. You're going to have yep. much, and I've said this before, and I got to get these shirts together. I've been working on it. Uh, hierarchy of tone, right? You'd yeah. be much better off to change your speaker than to change your your output tube. Yeah. Um, so, my, I mean, that that's where I am. I felt that the speaker in it was weak. I think it's the Katana speaker. I think it's, and I think they're branding a next tone speaker or something. I think it's the yep. 100 watt, the 100 watt Katana speaker. Um, whatever, the Waza or whatever. I think it's a Katana, they just call it a Katana speaker. Um, yeah. I think it's the same thing. I think the cabinet, uh, the cabinet construction is garbage. It's the same shit as you're going to get on the Katana with a different covering. Um, and I, the chassis is fine. I mean, the chassis was fine in the Katana, so I'm not I'm not complaining about that. I don't know. I initially I'd said I don't think these things are different on the inside. I still don't believe that they're different on the inside. I think it's just a different amp emulation and probably a different way that they're actually using it. Um, I didn't look close enough at the control layout to say like, oh, it's the same amount of knobs and they just painted a different, you know, they just painted a different layout on there or whatever. Um, but uh, my impression is that this is an amp for people who want something solid state for whatever reason, I'll be it reliability or whatever, um, with a, with a decent feature set, uh, but really would be just as happy with a deluxe reverb or a Marshall origin or um, a hot rod deluxe or, you know, any of these other like really inexpensive two channel tube amps. Uh, The classic 30 comes to mind. Um, And I think you're, your mileage would be better on those amps. And I think they're going to hold their value better long-term. So, so here's, here's what, what, what I would take away from this, Jim. I think, you know, they did that. Um, they did the blues cube, right? A couple of years ago, uh, the, the solid state blues cube. Well, they allegedly solid state. I don't know whether it was or not. Um, they did the solid state blues cube thing. It was pretty popular. People really liked them. Um, but were they were popular with a certain set of players. I think this is literally the same, not the same amp, but the same concept and marketed at those same people. Right. Um, it's slightly cheaper, I think, because I think the, uh, I think the blues cubes were six ninety nine, 
So you get the artist for what the, the lower blues cube cost. I think I might be wrong. Yeah. But go ahead. Your take. So I this was my take on it when I when I played them side by side. So I played uh um katana 50, a katana 100, uh katana 100, one or two by twelve. Um, as far as, as well as the one by 12, um, the 80 and the 40, I, they had them all sitting nice and e- like they were Jim, come in and try them all together. Right. Yeah. Here. And, they, and they've been doing that in most of the places I've been to. Yeah. So they were, they were right there in the little cubicle things that they have. In guitar try the art, there was the artist there too. The it was all there. The artist, the, the 40, the Katana 50, the Katana 100, the Katana 100, 1 by 12. They even had the, or I mean, 2 by 12 um, and 1 by 12. And they even had the head sitting on top of some cabinet that yeah, yeah, they yeah. have for it, the, the built-in cabinet. But I didn't have to do that because I was like, I, I've already got them. So I tried them all together. Um, and in the, in the cacophony of, of Guitar Center, as well as, you know, sitting down and, and playing... It, it does have delay and reverb, by the way. It does. Yeah. And there's a I thought, tap it, I thought it might. Yeah. I didn't use them. I, I wanted to just, I, I played a few things clean. I played with the spring reverb a little bit on the clean. That was it. Yep. And I played some stuff um, dirty. Uh, and I, like you said, so I want to practice amp that I can also, if I absolutely have to, take out and use as a backup amp right? right and so there's a couple of you'd be surprised at one of the two that's in the top running but anyway um i have a couple of them in the top running and when i so i was katana 100 or next tone 40 but i was looking at even though i know the next tone 80 is the it, what i was looking at is more about some of the features that the 50 doesn't have i would be i would be pleased with the 50 I can take the output of it without dending the sound, but I can't do that because right. um, they have a headphone out and they don't have uh, um, an aux out, which I, I don't know why the 50 is that line. So it, the 50 is a practice amp. That's why. Yeah. And anybody who tells you, Oh, this is built for gigging. Listen, if it doesn't have the foot switch and the, you know, and that the, uh, the direct out and all those different things that you're expecting to get in, in that amp, um it's the practice model yeah and so that was and that's what i assumed and that's uh, that's where i went but anyway as far as it went i did not not only did i not hear 100 dollars difference i didn't i didn't hear enough to make me go i would pay extra money for that at all at all not not in the least i agree And, and i still need it to be able to take pedals uh, the next one takes pedals pretty well. That's that's my my understanding. So yeah, um, my so my value proposition thing hasn't changed. Is it no. worth five hundred bucks? No, no. Uh, not if you have a katana already. If you are in the market for an amp and you don't have anything right now, I still hesitate to say that this is a good value because yeah. it's a. $500 digital amp. Solid state. Solid state hybrid. Exactly. Where you could get a Fender Champ, which is a decent pedal platform. You know, and I'm the guy that'll tell you, like, I think the Waza amp is probably yeah. still a pretty compelling amp. 
because yeah, so it is money buy-in. Yeah. It is meant to be competing with Mesa Boogie and Soldano and all the other high-end companies you can throw at them. That's that's right. what they did. They said this is the best amp that we could put together with solid state components. And the Waza is only six hundred now. The Waza for the, for the hundred watt one by twelve, yeah. No, Waza amp isn't available in a combo. Yeah, one by twelve combo. Really? Oh no, no, never mind. That's a Katana artist. Never mind. Yeah, that's the six hundred. It's because the Katana artist, and that's and and there's another fucking amp that just bugs the shit out of why? me. Why? Yeah. Why? What you played it today, right? I'm assuming. Yep. yep. Was it any different to you, to your ears, than the two by twelve or the one by twelve one hundred watt? Mm, a little bit, not, not. Yeah, I mean, but this one, my point not is, three hundred dollars. Well, two hundred and fifty dollars. No, it's marginal as hell, man. Yeah. And I, you know what I think they're banking on is a music store like like Good Time Music, uh, a smaller store saying we're not going to carry the regular katana. We're just going to carry the artist because it's high grade, and then we're going to force people to buy the katana uh, artist because it's the only one we have in stock. And yeah. I know it sounds crazy, but like there are stores that do that kind of thing. And I mean, Good Time would never do that. First off, they they're not going to push you towards something unless they feel that the quality level at the lower tier is like crap. Um, you know, they're not going to push you that way. But it's what there are dealers who will. I have I've been in those shops where it's like no no PRSSEs anywhere in the store. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I've been in those stores. <clears throat> yeah, we have we have one of those around here, um, and it, there's nothing wrong with that. But no, no, but it, just in. understand what you're getting yourself into when you go in there. I get that if you don't want to put the squires in you, you don't want to put that. That's one thing. Yeah, because that's like the lower. Right. And I know people will bitch and say, "Oh, squires not bad." Listen, that's still the lower tier of that brand. And I could understand, like, even if you said, okay, you know what, I'm, I'm going to put Squires in here, but only the, what do they call that? The, the, the classic vibe and up or something, you know? Classic vibes and up. Or I'm going to put the Epiphones in here, but only the Epiphones that are, you know, the standard and the custom. Yeah, and, and those kind of deals are few and far between for, for those companies because Fender Squire, you got to pick, actually, you got to take a lot of what they give you. Same yep. thing with Epiphone. So yep. you really don't get those choices, which is why you see so many affinities in those stores. Um, and those kind of things, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. There's so. a guy locally trying to kind of pawn off a affinity for like $150 or something. Like, That's more you pay new used. Are you shitting me? And he's like, he's got this ridiculous, I don't know where he found this ad. Well, I paid it, I paid this much for it. I'm like, yeah. So, so here's the thing. So, right now, really, in that, in that price range and in that one by 12, you know, um, Thing. What you've got is you've got the code, which I, I just I like the code in some ways. I don't like the code in that it would not work for my for what I need to do. Um, I have some criticism about the code, but go on. Yeah, <clears throat> but you've got you've got the Fender Champs, you've got the Line Six Spider Series, you've mm. got the you've got the Katanas, um, you know, and you've got Black Stars got some stuff in there. But Vox has their line, the ABTX series. Those are actually decent. The Vox ABTX. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and of course, Orange has got the Crush. Um, 
Although that's, you know, we could debate that. That's true solid state point. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, I just, when you're, when you're looking at that price point though, if you're looking at the, the price point of the, of the blues, or I mean the, uh, the, uh, next tone, next tone, you're, you're already getting into real tube amps. And unfortunately for them, I, now then I turned around and I plugged into a blues junior. Yeah. And it blew all of it away. Where'd you, where's your bass knob set at? Um, on the blues junior. Yeah. Oh, I, I put it just past 12. And where was your master? My master was pretty low. Probably. I'm telling you two. right now, I'm telling you just a, just a warning. That amp will not handle that bass if you turn that master up loud enough to get any sort of uh, saturation going. It will yeah, you have, to, you have to bring the bass back. You're going to have to pretty much take it out. I've seen people running Blues Juniors with the bass on one. Not one yeah. o'clock, one. <laughs> yeah, but at what volume? Uh, with the master at five? Yeah, I could see I mean, that. as soon as you, get, you hit saturation, that speaker does not handle it. That's why everybody swaps that speaker for something. That's right. I was going to say, that's why that's... But it's, but it's not just the speaker. It's the it it it's vibrates what? like a motherfucker. Those, oh. am, those amps are really popular because they're the cheapest amp that Fender makes that's quality, like that's it's a tube amp. But, but saying that, understand that they make some really good stuff and that that doesn't necessarily make it a great amp. I've always felt that the Hot Rod Deluxe is the real star of their lineup for the for like the sub thousand dollars. Oh, for as far as that goes, you may as well spend the extra hundred and a half or whatever. Get yourself a Hot Rod de, or a de, Deluxe. Yeah, unless you want to carry, don't want to carry it around because they're fucking heavy as hell and they're loud. So I, uh, I and they are the, really loud. A listener of the show, uh, Dan Kish, um, and and Patreon supporter, he was asking me like what what you know, what kind of tube amps are out there for the amount of money he's got to spend. And I, and he brought up the hot red deluxe. And I said, I said, dude, I said, if you want to play at home, that's not the amp for you because it has two volume settings. Loud oh, and loud. And <laughs> <laughs> if, yeah, if you really, that, that's the thing that people don't get that don't play guitar, especially tube amps is you can you can turn a tube, a tube amp up to where you can hear it, and it's, it's there. I, I, I it's would describe not, it as acoustically dead. <laughs> but it does not, there there is a point you have to push a tube. Even the even the amp one, I'm going to be the first one to admit. You there have to is push a, it. There is a pretty point where if you aren't pushing it that loud, don't even bother turning. Yeah, well, so Jim, what you're describing is also speaker saturation too. Yeah. And that's something that people neglect. That's why I like my Mark five. I'm like, man, I gotta, I, I was, I was playing it today. Uh, there's some clips on Instagram of me uh, really sucking at guitar. And mm-hmm. um, I liked the one that ranked and it, I mean, it sounds really, really good in the room, but I could not play that at my place. I just cannot. It, my neighbors would kill me. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to see a crucifixion? <laughs> <laughs> Wait around. Um, <laughs> so it, maybe we'll get it on Instagram. That that, that amp has a, has two vo- uh, three volume settings. It has it has reasonably quiet. Mm-hmm. It has 
stunned. Did, and then it has think, crucified. <laughs> did you think about the Marshall, either the origin or the, um, uh, the, DLC, the DSL? The new I DSL? think he and I are probably going to sit down because I'm, um, he and I are real close. I'm, I think we're going to have, uh, we're going to have a, a day where I bring him over and let him tinker around with my mark. And maybe we'll go to a store and look at some other tube amplification because so um, Dan is a, is a guy that has been into um, various forms of metal. And if you're not aware uh, metal often is not a tube amp thing. It no. is, it is often played with solid state amps and it's, that's a lot. Some of it's because of like the underground nature of the music and you know, people not having money, but, but more often than not, it's about the attack of solid state with that aggressive snarl that it does and the way that it saturates. And so um, it's not a knock on him. He, he's never owned a tube amp or at least not a quality one. Right. Um, and so he's looking for pointers and I'm like, dude, I, I, I can, I can tell you everything you want to know, but I can tell it to you. And that doesn't mean you'll understand it. You have to experience it. And it's yeah. one of those things where you really got to get in front of this stuff and and turn things up to see what they do yeah for fender or i mean for metal i don't know if fender would be one of the things that i would. Well, no have. he's looking for he's looking for a couple different things and that's and that's another whole another topic he's looking for um something that's got clean good clean sound he wants to, he wants to be able to do like uh like a bluesy thing and then he also wants to be able to do metal and he's yeah. kind of looking at one amp and i'm going eh, for the amount of money you got i mean you're really going to have to compromise and decide which sounds you the tremonti I'm telling you, you should try a you're Tremonti. Not gonna do, you're not going to do blues with a Tremonti. I know people are going to say, you can, you can. Listen, you're not doing the power tube saturation thing. And no. so if you're looking for those typical, like, um, 70s era, you know, blues sounds, you're not going to. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to find an amp that can do both. Not for the amount of money that he's looking to spend. They're, no, they do what exist. Rivera is a perfect example. What's that? Uh, Rivera would be a perfect example. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, even the even the two channels Riveras are capable of that. Yeah, but but you but can't do under, it at the same time because you're not going to have three channels in in a six hundred dollar Rivera. No, that's what I was going to say. If you're under, oh, is he about six hundred dollars? Uh, he's yeah, he's in that ballpark. Yeah, then I would I, I would definitely be considering either well Marshall. I would consider Marshall, or I would consider Black Star. Yeah, um, I think Black Star may be one we look at real hard. Because I think Black Star will give him a lot more of what he's wanting, um, and I'm kind of reevaluating my impression of Black Star because I had that one we, we talked about. It, I had that one Black Star amp that was like everybody was raving about, and I bought yeah, it, and, and I was like, like "Oh my god! Like, what are you yeah. people on?" And, and then, then I, I tried. I was, I was young enough, and I was stupid, and I was watching YouTube, and I'm watching these guys talk about it, and not thinking about like Black Star giving them free ones to review and stuff. So. Yeah. Well, I get. Yeah, I think that the dark days of Black Star are over. No yeah, I think they've they've had to clean up. Well, they wouldn't survive if they weren't doing something right. <laughs> right. I mean, but you've also got. I mean, the Origin series is in that price range. Yeah. Um, so the Origin is a good is a good blues amp and a good clean amp, but it's not going to be a good it's metal. Not going to be a, metal. Not a great pedal. Um, I would put yeah. a Friedman, I put the Friedman Friedman B O D out front and be done with it. Yeah. I played the origin. It's nice. I like it. Yeah. Well, you could. Yeah, you could put a Friedman in front of uh, uh, the pedal, right? Yeah, the BEOD, right? Their yeah. their overdrive pedal. Yeah, the BEOD, and the BEOD is super expensive. 
Um, That's two hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean it's it's more expensive than a metal zone. <laughs> yeah, you know, but uh, but it sounds you know better than a metal zone. So now when I said when I said the words um, line six spider, you cringed. Now why is it that you cringe when you hear the spider? Because the spider is totally the amp that is that line six produces that is marketed to people who never bought an amp. And they, they the marketing material and everything for those amps is structured so that if you've never bought an amp before, you think you're getting more than you are. And it's it's look, if you've sat down with one and I'm not shooting my, you know, my uh hopes out and saying that that uh Glenn Fricker is completely accurate with everything he says about them and everything. I've played them. That's where I'm coming from. Okay. Um, the, well, let's go, let's go back in history, shall we? Okay. So, so I'm going to ask, spider have you played five. the new spider? Yes. Spider five. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Garbage. Throw it in the garbage. Um, the spider one was garbage. It was hot garbage. Um, I, I remember my impression of that. So I went into a store one time. And I said, I really want to try some effects. I'm looking to figure out, you know, kind of what modulations and stuff I want to get. And the guy's like, well, uh, I could get them out of the case for you, but I think you probably get more experience by playing with that spider over there. So I plugged it into it. I played it for like five minutes, screwed around with the effects, unplugged it, uh, gave the guy the cable back. I said, no, thanks. Sorry. <laughs> if you're not going to get shit out of the case for me, it's not worth my time. Um, the spider two, because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they're both the pink front knob ones. I remember playing the Spider Two when it came out and going, "Oh, this is supposed to be so much better." Um, you know, I had a flex tone at the time that that was that that was popular, and the yep, thing I was like, like it was a modeling amp, but it didn't have any models in it. It oh, had sure. it had the Line Six custom models, right? The Insane Channel. Does anybody know that thing? Which is basically just brown ass. Um, it's like, it's like, it's like the Brown sound with too, way too much gain. Um, and you can't get any dynamics out of that whatsoever. It's just like wo- balls to the wall, too much distortion. Right. And then they had this like sort of recto-ish thing in there. And of course they had, you know, like their two flavors of Marshall, which is like a Plexi and, a, and an 800. And then um, you had, you know, Fender Clean pretty much. Um and that's pretty much been their MO since the two is like, that's kind of what they do. They give you five or six um, pretty generic amp models. Um, my impression of the five, when I played, I didn't play it very long. Uh, I actually played that uh, around the time that I played the, um, the Katana Artist when it came out. And then the, uh, uh, I was looking at the Fender Mustang, the, the GT, the current one. Mm-hmm. Um, and my impression of it was, like this is the last generation pod, you know, in, in, in an amp. And it was very much like, Oh, and then we're going to take the, the um, EQ structures for these amps and make them ridiculous. And I don't know. I mean, it just, it's another one of those, we got a lot of technology, but we don't know what to do with it. And we're trying to market this thing. I I actually do have an analogy. Now that I think about it, we're trying to market this thing to beginners. What do the be- what do beginners know about tone? And I don't say that sarcastically. I'm I'm this literally a question you you guys can answer at home or you can answer in the Facebook group if you like. Um, what do beginners know about tone? Nothing, nothing. You don't know anything about it when you first start. We none of us did. I sure as hell didn't. Um, and I can guarantee you that 
anybody who says they do knows a lot less than they're let than they were letting on at the time. Um, that's why so many people buy metal zones as their first pedal. Um, I can liken it to this. Anybody who's familiar with synthesizers um, and, and who knows kind of the history of synthesized music and stuff knows that in the 1980s, there was this whole like arms race of synthesizers from different companies. And Roland got in the middle of that shenanigans and they were putting out the Jupiter series of synthesizers, right? And they kept winning awards, but the Jupiters really weren't that different model to model. Um, They did have some different stuff. They might add an oscillator and those kind of things. But mostly what they did was they reworked the way the damn things looked so that each one would have more and more flashing lights and shit on it. And people would get all excited and be like, this is a really good one. It's got a lot of flashing lights on it. And they sold a lot of those damn Jupiter synthesizers to people that were just getting started. And I know that Jupiter was an expensive piece of equipment. Um, I mean, and they were used in professional level stuff. But but understand that back then, if you wanted a synthesizer, you had to pay money for it. You weren't going to walk into the store and buy a synth for 500 bucks. It was going to be 1500 and up in a time when $1,500 was like three or 4,000. So um, to see that kind of shenanigans going on, I think the spider is very much the same thing for the guitar community. It's an amp that looks cool. Every time you've seen one, they look cool. Even the tube amp looks cool when they did the, uh, the Bogner power amp version. Um, yep. It looks cool, but does it really deliver anything? And the, the, I, I think that's the one exception for the spider line. I think the two amps that they did really good. Um, I think that Bogner tube power section really brought something to the table. I think he understood that the power section had to be very special in order to deal with that terrible front end. And I'm sure he had some pointers for them and how to improve that front end to deliver the right stuff to the tube power section. And mm-hmm. so they built a quality amp. However, their deal with Reinhold Bogner pretty much ended um, a while ago because they produced an amp for Bogner and it sucked. Um, it didn't suck from the perspective of how it sounded. It sucked from the perspective of reliability. And they had all kinds of problems and they were being produced in China. Uh, anybody who you know isn't aware, uh, Line 6 has been produced in China for quite a while now. Um, and uh, that was an amp that they built as part of their deal with, with Bogner was to give him a consumer line. And um, it just didn't work out. I mean, the, 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 this is the Bogner Alchemist, by the way. I've always kind of looked at him. I see him in the store every once in a while. I'm like, mm, I really like that thing. But I know if I buy that, like, I'm going to have mechanical problems with it. The relays are going to go out or something. And I'm going to have to spend a bunch of money to get it repaired. Um, new boards or whatever. So that's that's kind of where I'm at, Jim, with the Spider. I, I don't know what your impressions are, but they have always sounded like hot garbage to me. I think there's something that about the way they use the speaker in those amps and the way that they're voicing the amp to hit that speaker and the amount of fizz it produces. Um, it's just, it's something that I've never understood why it's continued to be such a problem. Uh, Line six should learn from their mistakes. So. Yeah. I, so I, I tested one um, recently and I was surprised by some of the stuff I could get out of it. Um, but again, that was in a, that was in a, um, you know, an environment where, uh, I couldn't really turn it up 
you know, and and make it sound. Well, make no mistake, they've gotten better. But I'm just saying, compared to their competition, oh, yeah. like, I don't, I mean, I just don't see it. I just don't. Yeah, if you look, I mean, the, the Line 6 Spider 5 is, is the, about the same price right now as the Katana 100. Huh? Or uh, how many watts is the, uh, the 5 in that size? 120 watts. 120 watts. Stereo? So, 120 watts, 1 by 12. Okay, so it's not stereo then. Right. No, no, they got to uh, they got to move up to get to the. Um, what kind of a speaker they put in there? It's 120 watts. Yeah, that's that's the one I tried. So I was trying the biggest one. Well, not the biggest one. They make a 242 by 12. But, yeah, uh, yeah. And what was your impression of it, though? I mean, like, I thought it sounded pretty good. I, I was able to get a lot of controlled sounds out of it. I think that's what the, I think that the problem with the spiders is most people who buy a spider. Are either in the thirty watt to um uh, oh know. for sure the really cheap ones are garbage but oh they're totally tra- uh, but so is every amp that well not every one of them I mean Some I wouldn't all of the spiders I've tried have at least been a one by twelve combo yeah so I've plugged it, I, I take it back I've plugged into some of the fifteen water little like eight inch speaker jobs that people had yep yeah those are even worse than hot garbage yeah <laughs> they're like fecal material. <laughs> Yeah, the 60 watt, I didn't want to try the 60 watt because I was like, nah, a 60 watt would never work for me anyway. Um, but I was Yeah, because their power never... section is notoriously like not you gotta... how loud it is. Yeah, you got to remember that the um, the FBV is really something that would work for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Where, where again, I'm not doing, um, I'm not doing original material and I'm not doing stuff that's going to be uh, where I would be. But you know what? Honestly, though, Jim, like if you're looking at a spider, you can get used line six gear all day long. That's like great stuff. Yeah. Um, you can get the Flex Tone two for like next to nothing right now. I've yeah. seen them go for seventy five bucks. I had a Flex Tone two. Yeah, it way better than the three. I had the three XL. Um, and the three XL. Yeah, it was. Oh. I couldn't give that ample either. Nobody wanted it. Um, really? Yeah, it was like, it's not a bad amp. So I had the 2 by 12 which is immediately like, well, no wonder you didn't like it because it was big and heavy. Um, no, I actually, my my biggest complaint with it was that it, like, the speakers they put it in are terrible. There are these uh, Celestian CP12s, which are basically a Celestian legend. No, it's a legend. Not a legend, but they only call it uh, like a T seventy five. Not a legend. Um, yeah. It and and the T seventy five. It's been modified so it has no low end. I mean, it was like, what did they do this? What did they do this? They tried to make a T seventy five a flat response speaker is what they did, and it was a terrible mistake. And the cabinet models of the thing were awful, um, but. It taught me a lot about amps. I mean, it taught me what sounds I liked because the models were at least a cartoon of a real amp. Um, yeah. And I could tweak the parameters to get, you know, kind of similar to the real deal. Um, there was some stuff in there that was just bad. They had the sound in there that was called Line 6 Fuzz, which was supposed to be oh, yeah. like a big muff into a orange power amp. And I'm like, this doesn't sound anything like that at all ever in any way <laughs> you know like what 
what are you on? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and it always bugged the hell out of me that I could buy a pod for 350 bucks and had like effects models in it, like, like, pe- like distortion pedals and stuff. And I'm going, why would I, you know, I buy this amp and I get a power amp, but I don't get, I don't get the ability to boost. Like, what is going on here? It's um, weird, right? Well, they had some cool concepts at that time. They had a dual verb, which I think was a really cool amp, which was a head that actually had two completely separate amps in it. And you could, you know, do stereo models and like match and pair things up. I think that was cooler than the flex tone. Um, and then of course they, they, they fucked their own customers because they decided that they were going to do that HD one, four, seven or whatever, which was the head for the Flexstone three line. And it had more models in it and it was more, uh, like heavy metal focused, which just pissed me off because I'm like, all I want is high gain stuff at that time when I, when I was that age. And I'm like, what are they doing? They brought out this head and now it's going to replace like the flex tone in the lineup. And I'd already dropped because I bought right before. So when the flex tone three came out, they were still producing stuff in the United States. That yep. amp debuted and it was like $1,200. Oh, and geez. yeah. So I, my parents bought it for me, right? It was my first real amp. Um, they bought it for me. They bought me the floorboard, which was a whole other scam unto itself. Cause the guy, the guy at guitar center told us, Oh, well you'll be able to use the old FBV or the FB short, the FB short pedal too. this like little short thing. Nope. You couldn't. I had to go back and get the FBV two, which was a $250 foot switch. I mean, it was everything in the kitchen sink, but it was one of those things where it's like, really, you get a $1,200 amp with a $250 foot switch, you know? And then I took it home and I used it for, you know, I, I had that amp for a number of years. I actually sold that since I moved into my condo, believe it or not. Um, so in the last five years, really. And, um, I, I don't know. I have, I have fond memories of it because it was my first real amp. I played a lot of gigs with that thing and I got real comfortable with how to use it. Um, but I honestly, when I got my first real tube amp, um, it kind of started collecting dust and it stayed that way. So I finally just said, you know, as much as I have this connection to this amp and I know it's not worth anything, I can't store this thing anymore. So I've yeah. always kind of like, if I see another flex tone three, like the smaller one or the plus, I I might buy one just for nostalgia's sake. Cause I know I can get them for like nothing. You can buy them for a hundred bucks all day long. So, you know, it's like, eh, I can have that and put it in storage and pull it out every once in a while. It'd be a good, a good, good amp for your kids. Cause it's got a lot of different voicing options. Um, but I wouldn't buy one today, but the other things line six makes for sure. If you were looking for something to, um, to you know have as a backup i would i would certainly entertain uh you know the line six tube spider the dt series those are good um yep. and they're mostly tube that's why uh the vetas i do a veta one or a veta two all day long yeah just so much flexibility in those amps and and they're not they so even though the models were kind of character caricature like they now i have kind of a certain charm to them because in a lot of ways they're better than the real deal, um, which I know it sounds insane, but like that's one of my impressions walking away from the flex tone is a lot of the models that were in it. I remember thinking like, man, I hope that amp really sounds like this. And then going to play that amp and being like, it doesn't sound anything like that. Like what the hell? And <laughs> thinking like the flex tone actually kind of sounds better. Um, but it's, it's a very idealized tone and it's not realistic. 
So right. that's why I say it's a caricature. Um, yeah. But yeah. Veta well, is loaded with the same models. That's why I was kind of pointing that out. Yep. I don't know. I don't know what else to recommend you, Jim. I mean, honestly, for the amount of no, money I mean, you're I've looking, been looking at, at the Katana, you know, over and over. The Katana is probably what you're going to end up with because if you're looking to spend like, what's the Katana you're looking at? 350 bucks? You're looking at the yep. 100 watt. Yep. So 350 bucks. I mean, what are you going to get tube wise for 350 bucks? I saw PD Classic 30 head today. That was 350 bucks. Yeah, you know, it's so hard to find. Like those things are in some areas, those things are so easy to find. But in my area, no. Well, I mean, you can always see that guitar center, like order me a used one from somewhere kind of deal. If you don't like it, turn it away. Um, to be completely honest with you, if you like the classic 30 amp, you're going to like the head more because you can put your own speaker with it. And that's always been the weak point for me with the classic 30 is the speakers they put are terrible. Um, but again, I think they do that because they, they, one, they're trying to save money in the amp. Number two is when you finally get one, like you can swap the speaker out and not feel bad about it because you didn't pay anything for the amp anyway. So oh. um, I don't know. I mean, there there were so so a couple of years ago when the five watt amp craze was going on, like there were a lot of really good options for inexpensive tube amps. We had inflation since then, and I think it's become a real challenge to get a good tube amp for around five hundred bucks now. That like you will feel is a great quality amp. It doesn't have any compromise. As I was saying, if you still really want um, a blue a blues junior, get one, try it out. But I have a feeling, Jim, you're going to flip it because I would not buy one anything but used, number one, because they are an amp that, like, they're an amp that's highly sought after. They they hold their value, but the thing is you're still going to take a hit. And I have a feeling once you get that thing cranked up to the right volume, you're going to be like, eh, I can't do this. It's not what I expected. Well, yeah, that's why I've been thinking about a solid state as a backup because I've already got a tube amp for a main amp. And and then. So a solid state would be something that, okay, this is only for practice. And then, you know, sitting here practicing, which I can turn up and I can get loud. But you still have like a crate or not crate. Uh, you, you still have like an orange crush, don't you? Um, little. Yeah. I mean, so you need a backup more than you need a practice amp. The practice amp is the bonus. Right. Right. It so, can do both. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, really that to me, the only thing that really fits that bill is the uh the katana i would do you guys do you guys have box at, at uh, your guitar center do you have like the yep. the 80 vtx yep. or whatever 80x or whatever i check those out just as a check off the boxes kind of deal they are decent um they're kind of a little bit more far removed from the idea of modeling um they're a little bit more kind of akin to what you would get out of um if you were to compare to uh what is it the um uh the spider series because they're like they're they're boxes version of you know kind of wink wink um oh is that the uh is that the ones that are um uh valvetronics type thing yeah so but they do have a they do have a tube in the preamp uh and i think the tube in those actually does do something um i i think they're using converter um which is which is used to warm up the signal but it's also used to change how it's you know how it reacts um when it hits the, the power section which i'm sure at this point is class d um yeah. basically right now if you're buying anything anything is digital nine times out of ten is class d power supply or uh, power system you know so your volume's coming out of that 
That's how you get quilters with, uh, they're like the size of a book, but they're like 150 or 200 watts, you know? Um, but I don't know. That's another option. You could look at quilter if they got them. Uh, but I honestly, I mean, I was just thinking there was something that, that you probably should investigate. Uh, it'll come to me later. If I think of it, I'll throw it in the show, in the, uh, the group so that you can see it. But, um, I don't know, man, like the katanas. So the thing about the katana is they do hold their value is a real popular. So I don't feel like you're missing out there, but honestly, if I was going to spend like, so I would, if I was gonna spend five or 600 bucks, get an origins. If I buy a two bam, I'd get an origins. Well, if I was going to go that high. Yeah. 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 But you're looking at, you're looking to spend like three fifty. You can't be the katana. Yeah. That's, that's the price range. Just for but something, like I said, me listeners for, I have blown my nose. Yeah. So, all right. So what's our last, uh, we do have one more thing. We yeah, do want to talk about sure. our, our, we, we do want to talk about our new Patreon. Course. Yes, we do. I think we should take a pause and do that now. Since we brought it up before, uh, we take a chance and forget. So, um, it's been a, been a couple of weeks. We've had some people join the Patreon. I'm going to go ahead and read off every Patreon supporter we have at this point and just point out, you know, um, how much we actually, um, we treasure your friendship and we treasure your money into a treasury that we're going to use to pay for events and things later. Um, I've got yep. some ideas that I'm already cooking up that I'm going to discuss with Jim later. Um, but so right now, our patron list includes Carlos Mancha, Dan Kish, Jason Fuzzmarner, John Bataglari, Mark Gannon, Michael Newman, and Stephen Ray Conradi. Um, we really do appreciate anybody who is willing to uh, give us uh, fools your uh, your love and support in the form yeah. of monetary investment in the show. Um, we are committed to bringing you the content that you want. Uh, and if you have things that you want us to talk about on the show, whether you're a Patreon subscriber or not, please let us know. We will get to them. I'm starting to start, uh, like take a suggestion list and we're starting to build a list of topics to talk about for season two. Um, yep. generally speaking, the stuff that's more time sensitive is going to get discussed first. So in other words, like if it's a news item, then we're going to try to address that like right up front. But normally the news items, Jim and I are all over them anyway. So. Yeah, normally. Uh, the last topic for today's show, and we can only really spend like 15 minutes talking about this, if that. Um, and this is something I'm going to kind of spring on you, Jim. Okay. Let's talk about the difference between, well, uh, the, the the topic I have written down is appreciation of music. And this kind of circles back to what we were talking about initially, um, which is uh, let's talk about the difference between respecting music and liking music. Yeah. Okay. So yep. I'm gonna name a band. So no. let's let's do this. I'm gonna name a band yes. and you're going to say say respect or love. Okay. okay. I'm going to name um let me think of think of one that like I know where I know the outcome. Um let's say kiss. Love. Okay, let's 
Genesis. Respect. Okay. Depends on what part of Genesis you're talking about. Frank Zappa. Oh, that's a that's a fine line because there are parts of him I love and parts I respect. Damn it! Damn it! Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to find something that would just be like utterly awful for you that that you know like the Henry Kaiser because like Joe's Garage I loved Joe's respect yeah, yeah. um uh, there was Joe's Garage did he have a Joe's Garage two as well yeah he did with Joe's off. Garage Joe's off. Garage two and yeah and there was another one by him I liked that was that was like that uh he did shut up and play your guitar. That was it. Shut up and play your guitar. Yeah, that's a good record too. Um let me think. Uh well hell, C Vi. Respect. Now, so this is what I'm getting at. Jim and I look, we, we Jim and I, we hate each other's music in some cases. Yeah. Um, where it's like, it's not that we hate, it's just this was this is not something I want to listen to in the car. This is okay, not ready? something where I'm like in the now, now I get to do bumped, it, you know. Now I get to do it. Pablo Cruz. Uh, name a song. Um, what you gonna do when she says goodbye? Uh, I don't even think I can say respect to that, to be honest. With you. All right, Atlanta Rhythm no, Section. Atlanta um, Rhythm Section. I would say respect. Average white band. Um, I would say like on that one. Okay, Tower of Power. Like. Okay. I'm I'm probably surprising uh, the shit out of you right I'm now. I'm coming closer to you. Coming closer to you. Peter Frampton. Love. Okay. I, I can appreciate that. <laughs> See, now, give me some, some I hate though. <laughs> there are some places. Oh, I got you there. I got you there. You ready? I'll yeah. give you some some hate. But first I'm gonna yeah. give you another one that you might like, Journey. Uh that's a I would say respect, actually. Okay. I, there's oh. some of their material. They, they're like Genesis for me. Some of their material I love, and some of their material I'm like, what the fuck? All right, I'll be. I'll surprise you. Ready? I'm gonna ask V. Stevie Ray Vaughan, respect. Yeah, and I can see a lot of people saying that. Honestly, I that, just don't. I, I that style of blues is not for everybody. There's a lot of people that won't listen to blues outside the context of wow, this is some great guitar playing. Yeah. And that's really what we're getting at here, right? I mean, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think that that Stevie Ray Vaughan. There are some of his songs I absolutely love. Um, Couldn't stand the weather. Yeah. But yeah. if I hear, if I hear, um, Crossfire, uh, that, mine. Crossfire is one. Yeah, Crossfire is a great song. For me, Jimi Hendrix. The, the only Jimi Hendrix really that I know, and there really isn't much. What are there four albums? Um, uh, if that <laughs> yeah, three. So well, I guess I mean, unless you consider the posthumous stuff. Yeah, I guess I know about. Yeah, I don't. I don't even bother with the posthumous stuff. He he didn't have control of that. Like a three of a, three and a live record, I think. Yeah, you know? that, that for me. Yeah, the the live Blue Angel um, Blu-ray or DVD. That's the only posthumous release that um, you know recorded release that I kind of listen to. Um, but for me, um, Jimi Hendrix, I, I can only think of maybe one or two songs that I don't like. Um, but when it comes to to Stevie Ray Vaughan, for some reason, I can I can stomach it in small doses. But if I hear one more time, uh, if I hear that song one more time, I, I'll go bananas. Uh, my, what is it? Um, 
my criticism of of Stevie Ray Vaughan is the tone. It's irritating. Oh, some of it is. And it's not, it's not, look, watch him on live at El Macombo. That's what he really sounded like. Like, if you listen to him on, you know, Couldn't Stand the Weather or something like that, chances are that was just the way it was recorded in the studio. And, like, that's not what he really sounded like. You know, that's, I mean, I know people are like, oh, well, but that is what he sounded like. Listen, I mean, his thing was a lot of mids. And there is no mids on that stuff. <laughs> um, so, and that's my whole, that's my whole take. But, but, the, but the gut reflexes, and this is the, this is the moral and fable of our episode this evening, which is that you can, you can listen to somebody and I'm going to, I'm going to hearken this back to Stevie T. There's been some people in the group being like, oh, Stevie T said this about, you know, uh, whatever the guy's name was. I can't remember. Uh, Richard Benson. Because uh, I had to think about the song for the for the episode. Yeah, um, Benson, yeah, yeah. So it, it, I get it. You don't like Stevie T's humor, okay? And that's fine. But to sit there and say he can't play guitar, you're making a big fucking leap. Yeah. Uh, you may not like me saying that to you, but you are because the guy can play. He really can. Now, yeah. whether he can, be, whether he's a good musician, you know, meaning you know, get along with other band members and those kind of things. That's a whole other issue. But, and that stuff that he's he's spoken about. Also, yeah. his his um his music. He did put out a song a while back. But you, it's like most of the YouTubers, and I don't want to lump all the YouTubers into one group because obviously Phil X is one of them. But um, it doesn't feel like they're really trying to write a song. It feels like they're parodying something. Right. It, it seems like there is it, it, there are very few that come across like Dave Wallman. I want to I want to mention Dave Wallman because that guy when you when you hear his stuff, he's not trying to be anybody else. He always, always, he'll say, I'm, I'm sitting at the, you know, at the, at the uh, car wash day. And I was listening to the thing and I heard, and then it made me think of this rhythm. And then I, I came up with this thing and this is what I wrote. And it sounds nothing, nothing like anything you've ever heard. Mm -hmm. It's literally original. And and, uh, I just want to I just want to say that because I don't think I've ever um, shouted Dave Wallman out, but I listen to him a lot. Um, every video he puts out, I listen to. I, um, great, great musician. Um, well, I, I want to say it's okay for our listeners to not like what you like. It's okay. I'm not. Yeah. I, I know I went to seeing Bay. I'm not asking anybody to like him. Yeah. Although I do ask that you try to understand why somebody would want to do that. Um, and like, that's, that's, that's the takeaway here is that, look, we could talk about Stevie two to her blue in the face and, and other artists. Stevie T's got a million followers on YouTube. Somebody's watching him. Yeah. All right. There's one or two people. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of people that probably tuned into all of this. I mean, that's, you know, um, I'm not, and listen, having a million followers does not mean you have a million people watching your stuff. It means no. you probably have a couple hundred thousand watching your stuff. Right. Um, maybe 200,000, you know, like a very small percentage of that is actually people that watch everything you do consistently. Yeah. Yes. So uh, that's what I want to, that's what I want to put out there in, in a positive for everybody. Is it like, yeah. Okay. So Frank Zappa is not your thing. Don't go around the internet, please making yourself look like a fool and being like, he sucks. He can't play guitar because I don't get excited when I hear his music. 
Um, there's or, a different way to approach that situation. That is to understand that there is musical merit there. Somebody likes it. That's why we're still talking about these people 30 years after their death. That's okay? right. Um, so that's that's what I want to give back to to our community tonight is just, just think about hey, you know, I like X band and uh I don't care that the guy next to me doesn't. And yep. I hope that he can at least see the merit in what I see, even right. if this music doesn't excite him the way it excites me. Right. Cool. Yep. So uh wow. We uh we should be right around two hours with this episode. So holy crap. Um well no, I was hoping for that because we're only doing one one episode a week. I kind of want to wean a snack down to an hour and a half, but I think yeah. we'll give some people a little bit of extra content that kind of tied them over while we're while we're still kind of retooling how we're gonna do some of the other media projects we got. Yep. Um, especially during the holiday season, because let's face it, you're all cooking, baking cookies and stuff right now and decorating yeah. Christmas trees and doing Christmas shopping. Um, and I've been swearing up a storm this episode. So I'm hoping you're not listening to this with your family members. Um, if you are, I'm sorry if, you know, the F word offends them. Uh, we gotta, we gotta stop that for the Christmas season. My advice for you is it's just, it is just, <laughs> so, we give words power. If you don't like it, tell me in the Facebook group. <laughs> well, I've been, I'm, I'm not promising anything will happen, but. <laughs> I've been Jim and I've been David and we've been the, what, what have we been tonight, Jim? I don't know. I have no idea. It's been two hours. It's midnight. My time. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jim. Uh, we've been the practical guitarists. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> <laughs>